The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How are you now? Uh, that was a tough one, wasn't it? Um, ups and downs in that game. The Montreal Canadiens lose 7-4 to four to the Florida Panthers in Florida. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake. And, uh, you know, I want to be pissed off. Uh, there, there are a few things pissing me off about that game, but I'm not. I mean, honestly, there there was some excitement there. I like the fact that when they're getting blown out now, at the very least, it's not you know eight to one, nine to one, whatever. Like they're they're fighting back. They're trying to stay in the game. I think that's it's pretty much all you can ask from this team at this point. Who really expects them to be beating the Florida Panthers at this stage of the season after selling at the deadline, right? After trading one of their top four defensemen to the Florida Panthers. Um, Let's get into the, the, the recap, right? Because there's there's quite a bit to cover. Um, first period, Habs actually pretty even with the Florida Panthers, which is wild to even say. Shots by the end of that period were only 14 to 13 in favor of the Panthers. But this was a close period. Folks, way closer than you would possibly expect the Montreal Canadiens to play with the Panthers. And the Habs strike first. Habs get a little bit of a rush. Uh, they were getting hemmed in their zone a little bit early on. And they get a rush. Chris Weidman jumps in as the trailer. He gets the puck, fires it low, beats Sergei Bobrovsky, makes it one nothing less than five minutes into the game. Late-ish power play for the Montreal Canadiens, however. Justin Barron, trying to turn up ice through the neutral zone, turns it over. Carter Verhege and Jonathan Huberdeau go in on a two-on-one. Verhege over to Huberdeau. He buries it on the backhand, and it is one-to-one. The Panthers, uh, despite this period being pretty even, they end up taking a lead at the end of that period. Ryan Lomberg scores shortly after Jake Evans got butt-ended in the face, and there was no call on it. Curious. Joel Edmondson was also high-sticked late in that period, and there was also no call, and that's important for me to note because it's going to be something that comes up in the next period. The second period is uh, is where everything kind of went to shit for the Habs, though. I uh, can't blame the refs in this one as much as I would love to. You all know I would love to, but I can't. The Habs were hemmed into their own zone for pretty much that entire period. And things go to shit. Right? They ice the puck after being hemmed in their zone for a few minutes. Bang, right off the faceoff. Uh, point shot, rebound goes to Sam Bennett. Basically has an empty net, puts it in, is 3-1. Chris Weidman gets a high-sticking penalty. Like I said, it was going to come back up, right? It was a high-stick. But just interesting to me that they, they missed on two high sticks against the Florida Panthers at the end of the first period, but they managed to call Chris Weidman for that one. Curious, isn't it? But anyways, the Habs kill it. But then they get hemmed in their in their zone again. 
after they kill the penalty, you know, things are starting to turn back a little bit, but they get hemmed in their own zone again. Uh, Barkov this time out to Ryan Lomberg in the middle. Nice shot from him in the high slot. Very nice shot. Makes it 4-1. to one. Lomberg doing a lot of damage to the Montreal Canadiens in that game. Going to have to start calling him Lombergevin. <laughs> it's 4-1 to one for the Panthers. But the Montreal Canadiens storm back into this game late in the second period. Starts with Justin Barron getting his first point as a Montreal Canadian. First point in the National Hockey League, actually. Sends Nick Suzuki on a break. And when you give Nick Suzuki that kind of time and space, he's going to do something magical. He cuts all the way around the net and finds a streaking Joel Edmondson, who's coming in as the trailer. He gets a clapper on net, puts it in. It's 4-2. to two. Like a minute later, maybe even less, Larry Dolphins, Laurent Dauphin, jumps on a rebound out front, puts it in, makes it 4-3. to three. We have life. And with just over a minute... Remaining in the second period, Rem Pitlick in the corner passes it out to Christian Dvorak. He has a guy all over him, but he manages to put the shot on net from a horrible angle. And in, it's 4-4. Four to four. We are tied. Despite being outshot 19-5 in the second period, they manage to tie the game. And then we go into the third period, and the third period looks a lot like the second period. Uh, but this time, there was no storming back for the Montreal Canadiens. The Panthers' forecheck is just absolutely fucking nuts. They give you zero room to breathe. They're all over you constantly. They were forcing a lot of errors, and we saw one of those in the third period. Mike Hoffman, brutal giveaway uh, directly to Ryan uh, Lomberg. He passes it over to Sasha Barkov, who passes it over to the Jonathan Huberdeau. He gets his second of the game. It's 5-4. to four. Uh, The Habs get a power play. They immediately lose the power play by taking a penalty, and they take another penalty. Uh, so, but they manage to kill off the 4-on-3 and a 5-on-3, and then also kill off the 5-on-4. Uh, and with about five minutes left, Mason Marchment scores, makes it 6-4, to four, and then Sasha Barkov gets a, an empty netter to make it the final of 7-4. to four. So what do you really expect, right? The Panthers are a far better team than the Montreal Canadiens, particularly after the deadline. I mean, they have Claude Giroux, and he's, he wasn't even a factor in this game. <laughs> they're, they're really good. And uh, we, we did have a scary moment that I got to bring up in the third period. Jake Evans uh, had a break. I think they were down 5-4 at that point. Uh, they were still within a goal, and he was really trying to get that one in. Um, he was covered by Mackenzie Weger, and it looked like Weger maybe got a little bit of a hook on him, but it wasn't Weger's fault that he went into the boards the way he did. Evans kind of goes down almost on one knee to try and take the shot, and then he just goes crashing into the end boards and was writhing around on the ice. Um, you know, there's, there was a lot of specula- speculation online. You know, was that a collarbone injury? Was that another head injury? The broadcast on RDS seemed to think that maybe it was a knee injury. I don't know. He was able to get off the ice in his own power, which is which was great to see, uh, but it did not look good. Um, so we'll, we'll have to stay tuned for any updates on him. As far as I know right now, I'm recording this podcast immediately after the game, and I do not know uh, if it's anything serious. And I don't think they'll announce if it's anything serious until at least a couple of days. They'll get an opportunity to evaluate him, probably send him back to Montreal for some additional tests. But a scary moment. I mean, he, he might be the unluckiest player in the National Hockey League. He might be. And for Mackenzie Weger, you know, again, I don't think he did anything wrong on that play, so I'm not going to fault him for it. But I am going to fault him. Uh, for the way that he acted after the refs blew the play down because Jake Evans is writhing around in pain on the ice. And I have a GIF. It's going to be in the article on Eyes on the Prize for this podcast 
where you can see very clearly Mackenzie Weger skating back and saying, that's a fucking joke, that's a joke, he's fine. Basically insinuating that Jake Evans is faking the injury to get the play stopped, which is just a completely absurd thing to do. You know, I hope you never get injured and need the play to be stopped so that you can get medical attention, because if you do then anybody else on the ice would have cause to act exactly the way that you did. And realistically, nobody should act like that. When you see somebody rolling around on the ice like that, clearly injured, your first thought shouldn't be, oh, he's faking it to either, what, draw a call? There was no call being made. You weren't being sent to the box. There's nothing for you to be freaking out about other than, oh, they stopped the play. It's like, you know, did you really want to go and get the sixth goal that badly that quickly? And you wanted to do it while somebody's rolling around on the ice against the worst team in the Eastern Conference? That's how you want to get it? Okay. Well, if you want to be a completely classless piece of shit, that's on you. But um, I, I really didn't like that. I had nothing bad to say about Uyghur until I until I saw that, until I saw him lipping off about the fact that they stopped the play. And realistically, they should be stopping plays whenever somebody's injured. There's a risk, right? It shouldn't be, oh, we got to wait until your team has the puck. Should be we're stopping the play because it's not safe for us to continue because you might be legitimately injured and it might be career threatening for you to get hit by a puck or skated over by somebody or whatever might happen, right? You got to stop the play when somebody's hurt like that, and this is a potential head injury as well. So I mean, whatever, Mackenzie Weger, you want to act like that? Go ahead, but you know it's gutless. You look like a dickhead. But I digress. Um, silver lining. Now, it's pretty tough to find a silver lining in a game like that because, honestly, if you look at the overall game, it wasn't very good. There was the first period they played well, and that tail end of the second period where they stormed back into the game. So my silver lining is going to be a little bit more general, like a broader silver lining, and that's the fact that this team is able to fight back into games now. The fact that like I said at the beginning, when they get blown out now, it's not eight to one, nine to one. It's seven to four. It's six to four, maybe eight to four. And I know maybe that's like you know not the best silver lining to say. Well, at least they're not losing eight to one. Um, but realistically, what I like is the fact that they're actually fighting to get back into these games. Like they're playing like they're never out of it. Right? You're <laughs> going up in this game against. One of the best teams in the NHL. They're top two. Legitimate Stanley Cup favorites. And you got no business beating them. You got no business, honestly, being tied with them 4-4 after two periods in that game. But the Habs are there. So you got to think, like, the the core of this team. They keep those players together and they can build around that. This is a team that can be competitive eventually. And the mentality of this team is my silver lining here. Because they don't quit anymore. It was painful to watch them lose earlier in the season. Like now, and even earlier in the season, I was expecting losses. There came a certain point, maybe 15 games into the season, where it was like, all right, well, we're a lottery team this year, I guess. Price isn't coming back. He's not coming to save us. So what's going to happen? We're going to lose a lot of games. And I, I started expecting losses. But what I couldn't handle was the 8-1 drubbings where they just looked like they gave up. You know? You remember those games? where they would fall down it, it it didn't even have to be like four to one five to one for them to give up we're talking they're giving up at two to one as soon as they fell down in the game they don't do that anymore in this one they were down four to one stormed themselves back into it and like look 
The Panthers have a suffocating forecheck. They're one of the best teams in the league. I know I keep saying this. It's not surprising to me that the Habs couldn't complete that comeback. But they tried. They really tried. And that, for me, is the silver lining that this team doesn't quit anymore. You could also throw in that, you know, they're standing up for each other again. Joel Edmondson went after Mackenzie Weger, not right after Evans went into the boards because, again, Weger didn't really do anything. But after Weger was, like, chirping at the officials and saying, oh, he's fine, he's fine, that was when Joel Edmondson went over there and was like, hey, shut your mouth. And, you know, to Edmondson's credit, he, he did shut his mouth. I don't think Mackenzie Weger really wants anything to do with uh, Joel Edmondson. I don't think that's a fight he can win. But, um, look, it, take your pick out of those two, right? The fact that they're battling back to get into games and the fact that they're fighting for each other as well. I could also, at this point, I think I should single out some, some pretty solid games there. Um, I thought Alexander Romanov played pretty well. He had a really bad, funny giveaway in the in the first period where he had like a bunch of time and space and he just made a terrible pass. Uh, but he was getting physical out there, and that was important. Uh, you, you saw that it had a bit of an impact on the ability of the Florida Panthers to forecheck in the first period. Um, obviously, in the second and third period, not so much. But, uh, you know, I, I liked it. I liked the physicality. He had like a wrestling match with Sam Bennett in the first period where he like tossed him down to the ice afterwards. So that was a 10-9 round for Romanov, but we didn't get to see a second round. Um, obviously, not too much reason to be starting fights out there anyways. Um, I really liked, uh, honestly, I liked uh, David Savard in that game as well. I thought he played quite well. Um, I thought Suzuki played well again. Um, really, Suzuki, man, when, when I saw him cutting around that net, uh, the way Justin and Justin Barron, I should also mention, had a pretty good game. He had a bad giveaway, but he made up for it with that pass to Suzuki. But Suzuki, when I saw him cutting in with that much space and I saw him go on behind the net, I went immediately. I'm like, somebody please come down as a trailer. And Joel Edmondson came out of nowhere. So I should also throw Joel Edmondson in there. Uh, pretty good game from him. So there were, there were there were some good games in there from, from specific players. Let's face it, tough game for anybody uh, going up against Florida with the roster that Montreal has right now. But you know, they did pretty well, and they battled back, and uh, I enjoyed it. I actually had fun watching that game. And again, I've said it many, many times this season, one of the things that I want is to have some entertainment value in the games that I'm watching, right? We didn't have that before. Now we've got it. You know, even against the best team in the league, they're giving you something to cheer for, and that's important. I'm going to cut it off there. Um, oh, before I do, we have an update on Jake Evans. That's some good news. Uh, Eric Engels just tweeted out, Jake Evans is okay, upper body injury, no concussion, day-to-day, according to the Montreal Canadiens. So that's good. Uh, good to hear. So we'll cut it off there now. We'll cut it off on a good note. We're running, what, uh, right around 15 minutes. So, uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.